back to the David Glenn Show. We're having some fun with the NFL, some college football. The players are on the practice field in both high school as well, for that matter. The NFL question of the day allows for your prognostication skills to be displayed for the entire state of North Carolina. Vegas tells us that the favorites include the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Colts, the Rams, the Saints, and the Eagles. Vegas also tells us those with the lowest expectations, eight or so at the other end of the spectrum. The fun fact that we're exploring today, among others in the NFL, is that almost every year at least one team goes from last place in its division the previous year to making the playoffs. The Bears and the Texans pulled that off last year. The Eagles, the Panthers, and the Jaguars all pulled it off the year before. These are the eight teams that finished last last year. The Jets and the Jaguars are getting the most votes for worst to the postseason. Your other options are Cardinals, Raiders, Buccaneers, Giants, Lions, and Bengals. That is your NFL question of the day as we look forward to Scott Fowler of the Charlotte Observer on all things NFL and Ryan Khalil coming out of retirement to join the New York Jets and everything happening in Spartanburg, including the Panthers' recent addition of former UNC star safety Trey Boston, who's also a former Panthers safety. That was the biggest weak link in many people's eyes on the Panthers' depth chart. That safety next to Eric Reed, Trey Boston, plugged right into the starting lineup as he signed earlier this week, just as Ryan Khalil is now snapping the ball to Sam Darnold with the New York Jets. Fresh out of retirement, it's plugged right into the starting lineup on that one-year $8.4 million deal. Mark Brazel joins us later from the Wyndham Championship as the PGA Tour is back here in North Carolina. We are following your lead in between our guests. It is a free-for-all Friday. That means you can pick the topic, you can ask a question, you can file a complaint. We are coming to Chris and Don and Jay and Zach. They are scattered all over our statewide audience, not necessarily in that order. You can be next with your comment, complaint, or prediction at 1-800-849-2761. Major League Baseball, the Wyndham Championship, college football, the NFL, the NBA, a little college basketball already have hit our airwaves. The question involving the NBA beyond the LeBron James stuff we described. The LA Clippers are considering changing their nickname. Has there been a smooth, successful pro sports team nickname change in our lifetimes? It's hard to find one, although I believe the Clippers should do so for a lot of different reasons. Probably will do so under their relatively new owner, Steve Ballmer, as they enter what could be the glory days of the L.A. Clippers franchise with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and other really talented dudes on that roster now. 1-800-849-2761. We've had a lot of college examples. We do celebrate all of those nickname changes. There aren't as many in pro sports in any of the sports we follow. And no, I'm not, I'm not considering the Hornets to the Bobcats back to the Hornets a successful nickname change. It's a, it's a miserable franchise right now. They went from Hornets to Bobcats because the guy who owned the team at the time was named Bob. Seriously. Oh, let's, let's see. There are Panthers in the mountains and Charlotte area. Panthers, that's a good NFL nickname. Okay, the Hornets are, were in New Orleans, remember, at the time, and then got the NBA back, and it was Bob Johnson who was the owner. Let's just call them the Bobcats. Get it? Well, they were the worst franchise in the NBA. The Hornets have not been a whole lot better than that since they've changed their name back. So, no, I'm not calling Bullets to the Wizards a successful transition, and I'm not calling Hornets Bobcats Hornets. There's no good mojo anywhere to be found in those nickname changes. We're, there are examples, though, 
And, of course, our statewide audience has some of them on their minds. Chris is in Clayton. And next on the David Glenn Show, go right ahead. Hey, Glenn, how you doing today? Doing great, man. What's on your mind? All right. just want to say a long-time listener, but my first time actually calling in. So Excellent. Here. Let's make it a good one. Go right ahead, Chris. Okay. I've got two examples about pro sports teams actually changing their name, nicknames and actually becoming better. All right. Uh, most most recently, I remember the Tampa Bay Devil Rays just dropped the Devils yeah. and became the Tampa Bay Rays. True. And not long after that, they reached the World Series. It's a great example. That's more of a tweak than a complete overhaul. But I'll give it to you, Devil Rays versus the Rays. Again, my family, many of them in the Tampa area, they rooted those Rays on to that World Series title. The, it, the devil is in the details, Darren, when it comes to that Tampa Bay World Series championship. Did you see what I did there? The devil yeah. is in. Come on. Come on, Darren. <laughs> I know it's Friday. He's looking at me with a blank look on his face. Go ahead, Chris. Okay, and here's one that's not in our lifetime unless you were alive back then, but back in 1913, Uh they were the New York Highlanders, but they changed to the New York Yankees. Yeah, I think that one turned out pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad glad your uh, archives go back that far because that is a great example. One of the reasons that I worded today's question, has there been a smooth, successful pro sports team nickname change in our lifetimes, was because if you go far enough back, there are a lot. I mean, like, weren't the Chicago Bears like the Staley's or something like that? Like, if you go, I don't know how many 100-plus-year-old listeners we have, Darren, here at the David Glenn Show. Do you have any market research on that? But in our lifetimes does not quite go back to the New York Hilltoppers. I do think everybody agrees that Yankees nickname has turned out quite well. Well done, Chris and Clayton. You made your first phone call a really good one. Don is elsewhere in the triangle. And next on the David Glenn Show, welcome to Free For All Friday. Uh, Thanks for taking my call, DG. Sure, man. What's on your mind? Uh, Yeah, I'm going back uh, baseball, uh, Seattle Pilots, Mm. Seattle Mariners. I'll give you that. I'm trying to remember. When I was a little kid, if I remember correctly, the Toronto Blue Jays and the Seattle Mariners were both expansion teams. What would that have been, like the 70s maybe? Um, And I I didn't even think of the Pilots. I guess they were a previous incarnation of Major League Baseball in Seattle. Uh, Yes, they were an expansion team. I forget where they came from. Yeah. I I think Seattle lost Major League Baseball for a while. And then the Mariners came in, I believe. So that might not have been a nickname change, although I do like Mariners more than I like Pilots. What do you think? Is that an upgrade? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. The Mariners haven't exactly been the New York Yankees, but I don't remember the Seattle Pilots. I'll double-check that, but I don't think that was a nickname change as much as it was losing a franchise and then getting a different franchise, right? Yeah, so the Pilots moved from Seattle to Milwaukee. In like the the early 70s and became at the time they were the Braves and then the Brewers. Um, I mean, there's no more appropriate nickname than the Milwaukee Brewers. Right. Right. (laughs) One of my favorite Rod Stewart songs. Have you ever heard this one? What made Milwaukee famous made a loser out of me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm familiar with Rod Stewart has, you know, 25 more famous songs than that one. But it's. It's a classic song, Darren, for you and the other youngsters out there that are of legal drinking age. Nothing wrong with an adult beverage. I hope I've set that example well for you. But you got to be a little careful. All things in moderation, Darren, or you could end up singing from a gutter somewhere. Rod Stewart's What Made Milwaukee Famous. 
made a loser out of me. Milwaukee Brewers. Do they still have uh, the splash of beer with the Brewer guy coming down the slide when yeah. they hit a home run? That's, oh, yeah. That yep. still happens? Yeah, of course. I didn't know that. That's cool. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Let me try Jay and Raleigh. He may be going into the Wayback Machine a little bit as well. Jay, welcome to Free For All Friday. What's going on? Hey, good afternoon, David. How you doing? Doing great. Who's on your mind? Uh, I got a couple of modifications, uh, nickname modifications. Uh, the New York Metropolitan. Mm. Uh, became the Mets, and uh, you never, ever hear them referred to as the Metropolitans anymore. True. Do you remember uh, when that was? Because as, as a guy who I think I fell in love with baseball, I would say the early 70s, I, like, barely even remember the Metropolitans. I yeah, just... I, I, w- I would say, um, you know, that was the name that they were given, and I don't think it ever, ever really stuck. Yeah. Um, you know, going back to, I guess, 1962. Uh, for the Mets, right. but I don't think it ever stuck. And this, the second one I have is also a New York team, which you also think about changing their name. <laughs> well, the Knickerbockers yeah. to the Knicks. That's a good point. <laughs> I mean, I, at what, I don't even remember how, at any point, did either of those franchises like put out a release saying we like it better when we're called the Knicks rather than the Knickerbockers or the Mets rather than the Metropolitans? I don't know. You know, I think that they were referred to as the Knickerbockers for, for several years, probably in the 40s and 50s, uh, maybe into the 60s. I'm not sure exactly when, they, uh, when the Knicks came into effect, but um, might have been, been maybe late 60s or something. Jay and but, Raleigh um, contribute. But, yeah, that, that's a pretty, pretty poor franchise. Thank you for playing. The Knickerbockers and the Mets, uh, like the Clippers, have had far more downtimes than good times. The Clippers, if they're going to change, by the way, it's not going to be a tweak. Metropolitans to the Mets is a tweak, right? Uh, Knickerbockers to the Knicks is a tweak. Devil Rays to the Rays is a tweak. Get that devil out of your life, Darren. Did you get it that time? Did you? Are I these did. things all? Are you halfway to Margaritaville? Are you ignoring me again? No, are there I'm that in. many I'm phone here. calls? I'm You're here. You're with me. You sure? Of course. You're just contemplating my, my all things in moderation pontification, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You hear you hear Rod Friday Stewart singing in yeah. your head right now? You do, don't you? Be careful, young man. Be careful. One eight hundred eight four nine two seven six one. We'll get to more of your free for all Friday phone calls on the other side. We have more votes on the NFL question of the day. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets are the most popular answers to this question. Almost every year, at least one team goes from last in its division the previous season to making the NFL playoffs. Bears and Texans a year ago, the Eagles did it in 2017 and went on to win the darn Super Bowl. The Panthers did it two years ago as well. So did those Jaguars. Not as much support for the other cellar dwellers from a year ago, the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Bucks, the Giants, the Lions, the Lions, and the Bengals. How did the rookie quarterbacks look in week one of NFL training camps. Remember, those names include Kyler Murray in Arizona, Daniel Jones, the former Duke star in New York Giants camp, and Dwayne Haskins of Ohio State now with Washington. I'll answer that question as we come back to your calls. 1-800-849-2761. Baseball, football, a little basketball, some goofy nicknames, We have an announcement related to the big tailgate tour, and Darren has some details about the Voices of North Carolina tour. I will be taking a vacation with the Glenn family starting Tuesday of next week, and Darren has 
brought in a cast of characters, dare I say superstars, to handle hosting duties, co-hosting duties, as school by school and franchise by franchise, they take this chair over over the next couple of weeks. I will be here Monday, and then I think it is, what, nine straight days of you and that traveling circus, the Voices of North Carolina Tour. More of those details with more of your calls, 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We do have a couple lines open for the first time in a long time. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. Scott Fowler will join us on all things NFL and Carolina Panthers in about 15 minutes. Mark Brazel will join us in about 40 minutes. The Wyndham Championship does continue. I promised one thing from NFL training camps as we digest Trey Boston joining the Panthers and Ryan Khalil coming out of retirement to join the New York Jets. Those same Jets are one of the most popular answers to our question of the day. Almost every year, at least one team goes from last place in its division the previous season to making the NFL playoffs. There are eight candidates for that. The only two getting much support today are the Jets and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Your other options, because they were last in their divisions last year, the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Bucks, the Giants, the Lions, and the Bengals. It might sound strange that it happens that often, but on average, it ends up being about once a year or more a team going from last to the playoffs the following season. Two years ago, three teams did it, including your Carolina Panthers and my Philadelphia Eagles. Three first-round, high-profile, big-name quarterbacks we're under the microscope this week. As we come to your calls, Tommy and Yadkinville once in on the nickname question. The L.A. Clippers of the NBA had their owner, Steve Ballmer, say, we're seriously considering dropping Clippers. I think it's a great idea. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are there. The Clippers are among the favorites to win the NBA title. They haven't sniffed such things through the disgraceful, racist Donald Sterling era or even most of the time since then. Has there been a smooth, successful pro sports team that changed its nickname in our lifetimes? Most of the best examples are from long, long ago. Like the New York Yankees, yeah, they died. They dropped the Hilltoppers. That was truly a long, long, long time ago. Not nearly as many successful examples lately. I believe the Clippers scream to become the modern-day example of such things, given that they're not losing much. How attached can you be to the Clippers' name? It was designed for the sailing industry in the city of San Diego. You're not in that city, and you have no banners to celebrate. Heck, you're getting your new building a handful of years from now. You're finally breaking away from the Lakers, whose shadow in your own city you haven't been able to shake or escape for a long, long time. I've never seen a better candidate in modern day sports for abandoning a nickname just like leave it you know beat it to oblivion and let it die right there on the sidewalk never to be heard from again that's the right way to run from the clippers nickname hard to pull off in other contexts as our phone calls have reminded us today you can be next at 1-800-849-2761 
Kyler Murray of Oklahoma, the Heisman Trophy winner, joins Daniel Jones of Duke and Dwayne Haskins of Ohio State, as I would say, the three rookie quarterbacks under the biggest, hottest spotlights or under the most intense microscopes. Only one of those three, a week or so into preseason practice, is really on the front burner. Daniel Jones, remember, is still sitting number two behind Eli Manning. Will that change by October? Will it change by November? I don't know. Is he going to start game one of the regular season? Not unless Eli Manning gets hurt. So David Cutcliffe, protege Eli Manning, is still going to start for the Giants. David Cutcliffe, protege Daniel Jones, will be the backup. We all know Eli is not what he once was. But the Giants are married to him being the 1A to Daniel Jones' 1B. Even though Daniel has shown his toughness, he has shown his football IQ, he has shown a quick grasp of the playbook, and of course he comes from a great pedigree because of Coach Cut. Kyler Murray's in a totally different world than either Daniel Jones behind Eli or even to a degree Dwayne Haskins of Washington. He's a third stringer right now. Now, at least Daniel Jones, Eli Manning, whether you love him, hate him, or you fall in between, he is a two-time Super Bowl champion. We know he's in the twilight of his career, but he knows what he's doing, and he's been to the top of the mountain. In Washington, I think you have to watch Dwayne Haskins for different reasons. Not that he's more advanced than Daniel Jones. He's probably not. But because the latter is less complicated in Washington than it is in New York. If Eli gets hurt, they're not going to hesitate to plug in Daniel Jones. But would you, who would you want behind center if you're a Washington fan? I mean, this is, again, dysfunction junction, comma, NFL. The Washington Redskins under Daniel Snyder mess up things almost as regularly as the L.A. Clippers did under their racist pass owner, Donald Sterling, who lost his team because he was a racist. There's an example of society and politics and sports overlapping in a way that we needed to discuss because, you know, a guy lost his team. Would have looked a little awkward if we just let that go without any commentary. Washington doesn't have a healthy quarterback. The Giants have Eli. Arizona is all in on Kyler Murray. The early returns are, through a week, that all three guys are doing what their teams want them to do. But Kyler Murray's the guy you're going to be watching in regular season football action in the month of September. Dwayne Haskins has a quicker road to the top in Washington because there's nobody to be afraid of him or to be, for him to be afraid of higher in that depth chart. Injuries and less proven veterans and fellow unproven youngsters is the talk of the town in Washington. Maybe we see Dwayne Haskins before we see Daniel Jones. Just remember that Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury are essentially married in Arizona. He's the first-year head coach who's never been at this level before. He was about to lose his job at Texas Tech in the Big 12. They're taking a chance because he's been a quarterback whisperer and because he actually knew Kyler Murray from the recruiting trail before Kyler ended up at Oklahoma and before Lincoln Riley helped turn him into that Heisman Trophy winner. Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury are going to have an entirely different season than what Daniel Jones is likely to have with the Giants and what Dwayne Haskins is likely to have in Washington. True story, Darren, since it's nickname day, as we go to Tommy in Yadkinville, North Carolina. George wants in from Nashville, North Carolina. I mentioned this is a pro sports question with the nicknames, right? And we had fun with the Wolfpack used to be the Red Terrors and the Blue Devils used to be the Blue Imps and the Tar Heels were called the White Phantoms for a while. 
and you dazzled us with your details on Elon's conversion from the Fighting Christians to the Phoenix. True story. You know what Texas Tech is called right now, right? The Red Raiders. That's correct. Not kidding, and I don't want more college examples because there are too many of those. They were once called the Matadors. Would you have had fun? Do you know why Cliff Kingsbury lost his job at Texas Tech or was about to before this bizarro falling upward? You're about to get fired from a mid-level Big 12 college program, and you're hired as the head coach as of an NFL team. Now, I wouldn't have been surprised if someone wanted him to be their coordinator as a quarterback whisperer. That's not an uncommon, really, career path. But he was close to getting shown the door at a mid-level Big 12 program, in large part because Texas Tech played, wait for it, matador-like defense <laughs> during his time as the head coach of the Red Raiders. If they had not changed from the matadors, this is decades ago, I don't even remember when, Tell me those headlines wouldn't have been sweet. Oh, they would have written in Big themselves. Big 12 country. Texas Tech looks like matadors as Oklahoma rolls them one more time. 1-800-849-2761. Tommy and Yadkinville, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey. Oh, how about when the Astrodome opened up, the Houston Colt 45s changed their names to the Houston Astros. That's a great one. Might not quite be my lifetime, but maybe your lifetime. And that was just a straight nickname change, right? That was the same franchise. Astrodome comes along. Of course, there's the astronaut angle, and they probably wanted to get away from the gun, the Colt 45 angle, kind of like the Wizards moving away from the old Washington Bullets. That, that image, imagery in uh, violent times does not come across quite as well as it was originally intended. So that was, Tommy, they were, they were the Houston Major League Baseball franchise called the Colt 45s, and as soon as that building was built, they became the Astros? If I'm not mistaken, the old ballpark they played in was in the parking lot of Astrodome. Yeah, I think you're right. That had to happen in the 60s because – uh, I don't remember the Colt 45s. I, of course, remember the Astros and those rainbow uniforms they had in the 1970s. Uh, unforgettable, really, to this day. Makes my eyes hurt. But the, uh, the Astrodome at the time was state-of-the-art. I mean, it, it was actually one of the – was it the very first? One of the very first, if not the first, American megadome, if you will. Everything else was outdoor stadiums, right? Think of any old-school famous baseball stadium. Yankee Stadium, Wrigley Field, Fenway Park, Candlestick, Dodger Stadium, whatever. There are no domes. I grew up going to Veteran Stadium in Philadelphia. There were similar concrete donuts in Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and other places, maybe even including Houston, I'm not sure. But then the Astrodome came along, man. Andre the Giant, the wrestler, was described as the eighth wonder of the world. The Astrodome was being described as the eighth wonder of the world. Wait a minute. You can put a roof over guys playing baseball and playing football? You can actually sell tickets to that event? What are you going to do? How's the grass going to grow in there? I actually remember some of those conversations. You guys take this for granted nowadays, right, Darren? Uh, yeah, David it, Tepper wants a new facility with a roof in, in the Charlotte area. You heard him talk about that this week, right? Yeah, it's funny. I just had the conversation the other day of, of where you took in your first big league game in person. Yeah. Mine happened to be at the then Sky Dome in okay. Toronto. So my very first big league game as a kid was in a domed ballpark. 
That's a big deal, man. Appreciate you playing, Tommy. That's a good answer to the question of the day, 1-800-849-2761. On the other side, Scott Fowler is going to join us. George is in Nashville and wants to rename the Clippers. I have to take that. There are no sailboats docking in Los Angeles. It's a great idea to change your name from the Clippers. You have a new building on the way. You have a relatively new owner. You have new superstars in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And you're leaving the building that you've shared with the L.A. Lakers for a long time. If that is not a time to change your nickname, I've never seen one. George in Nashville, we're going to forward your ideas to Steve Ballmer of the Clippers. What, what should we now call that other L.A. basketball team? I was thinking either the mouse or the mice because uh, Steve Ballmer with Microsoft, had, Microsoft did a big job of elevating the mouse as the computer tool. Uh-huh. And also it kind of gives a wink and a nod to the other famous mouse that's in L.A. Yeah, there is one of those, isn't there? I don't know. What do you think, Darren? You once worked in uh, marketing and branding, didn't you? It, it would need to be the mouses because, technically speaking, the plural form of the, the computer tool, the mouse, is not mice. So it would need to be the, the mouses. Look at you go. Look at you dropping <laughs> Elon grad school level knowledge on a sports nickname question. I mean, you could call it the mice for the same reasons and then just use the animal, but... It would need to be the mouses if you're talking about what you click with. Just to be clear, the little creatures that run around, they're still mice in the plural, correct? Right, correct. You okay with that? Yeah. You know the three reasons they're now using lawyers instead of mice in laboratory experiments? <laughs> no, but I, I'm, I'm laughing. You don't? thinking about what you're going to say. Scott Fowler of the Charlotte Observer on the other side. There are three reasons that scientists are now using attorneys instead of mice in laboratory experiments. We've gotten four years of sports radio together, and I've never dropped my favorite lawyer joke I on do you. not think you have. <laughs> now, this is off the top of my head, so now I'm under pressure. Okay, <laughs> three reasons scientists have chosen to use lawyers instead of mice in their laboratory experiments. One, there are finally now more lawyers than there are mice. Okay. <laughs> Two, the lab technicians don't get quite as attached to the lawyers. <laughs> and three, there are some things that rats or mice just won't do. <laughs> I'm allowed to tell that joke because I spent 17 years as an attorney. It is my favorite lawyer joke of all time. I apologize to those who have heard it repeatedly. I do not apologize. Believe it or not, I got to I got to an email one time after telling that joke from somebody who reminded me that among the oaths you take when you become an attorney, now there's the obvious ones, you know, defend the United States Constitution rather than, you know, taking high office and like treating it like it's on the bottom of your shoe, constitutional issues, or being so ignorant of it that you don't even understand the oath that you took. I would never do such things, Darren, even if other high-ranking officials do such things. So I got the email that said telling that joke was a violation of my oath of professional responsibility because it brought attorneys into ill repute in a general way. <laughs> and I was just like, man, you, you got to get a life, bro. You got you to expand the horizons a little bit. You need a sense of humor desperately. What is the famous line from that movie? This town needs an enema. <laughs> yeah, I think you just need to break out of the box a little there, buddy. Did you stop laughing by the time you sent that email to me about why I shouldn't have told that joke? Because, darn it, that's a pretty good joke. 
You agree? Have you ever I, heard a better lawyer joke than that? I don't know that I have. Come I, on. There aren't many that are coming to mind that's a good off the one. top of my head. That is a top 10 in the history of the world lawyer joke, and I just gave it away for free. <laughs> Not violating my oath of professional responsibility, I promise. Mark Brazel of the Wyndham Championship joins us live from that PGA Tour event in less than 30 minutes. Scott Fowler is today's NFL and Carolina Panthers guest. He is an award-winning sports columnist for the Charlotte Observer. He spends a lot of time in Spartanburg, South Carolina at this time of year where the Panthers train. It's Fan Fest tonight. Scott Fowler on all things NFL next on the David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? It was fun. Got about an hour of sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest writes about a little bit of everything, including the NFL and the Carolina Panthers as an award-winning sports columnist for the Charlotte Observer. Fan Fest is tonight for Panthers fans. Cam Newton spoke with the assembled media for the first time in, felt like more than half a year yesterday. Former Panthers center Ryan Khalil surprised most people I know by coming out of retirement yesterday and signing with the New York Jets. Meanwhile, the Panthers added veteran safety Trey Boston to their depth chart earlier this week. Here to discuss these things and more, Scott Fowler, Charlotte Observer. Welcome back. How are you? I'm good, David. How you doing? Doing great. Were you as surprised as the rest of us at uh, 34-year-old Ryan Khalil going from you know, tear-jerking speeches about his final days in the NFL and with the Panthers to, wow, boom, he gets an $8 million contract and he's the starting center for the New York Jets as we speak. Yeah, I was very shocked about that. Hey, Khalil seemed to me one of those guys that just would make the decision and stay very firm. Me too. But we can always be surprised that $8 million would probably uh, change a lot of people's minds. What else do you know about that picture? Because, yes, the easy answer is I can think of 8.4 million reasons that Ryan Khalil came out of retirement. But I wonder in the bigger picture, I mean, I know enough NFL guys to know how hard they train in the offseason. If I'm Ryan Khalil and I just busted my tail for 12 straight years for the Carolina Panthers and I really thought I was turning the page into the next chapter of my life and family and friends and, I don't know, letting my hair down a little, how, what do we know about what he wanted to do, what he did do? Because it ain't easy to, like, flick the, white, the light switch and be in NFL playing shape. That's true, uh, but Khalil also was – one of the smartest NFL players I've ever known and, and, you know, really performed as a pro at a pro bowl level, despite being almost undersized at that position. I mean, he was borderline uh, just big enough probably, but had fewer injury problems than his brother, you know, didn't look like uh, his brother in terms of Matt being this huge hulking guy looked, I mean, really came off the bus looking like there's your all pro, but no, actually it was Ryan. And so I think he probably figures he can get by again one more year on, on sheer craftiness and smarts and probably did just enough to keep himself in, in shape. He was never an Adonis anyway, but he's just he's so dang smart, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he's successful. 
you've been on this beat for a long time. Do you know, had it been six or seven months since Cam Newton had a real open media session? Uh, what else can you share about that? And then the f part two of that is, you know, what was the most interesting thing that came out of Cam's media session yesterday? Yes, it was, uh, DG. His last media session, I had to count this up uh, the other day for another reason, but was right after the New Orleans game when he was very dejected and had not been able to throw the ball, you know, really through a pane of glass in mid-December. And so wow. this was August 1st, so it was more than seven months. Now, wow. he had done some things since then. You know, he had talked to Peter King one-on-one. -on -one. Right. He had done, obviously, the uh, all-or-nothing, although most of that was taped, really, last fall. Um, but, yes, it was a, you know, it was a, you know, he's under no obligation, we should point out, to talk in the offseason. Many players don't talk for, we don't see any of them for, for several months until yeah. OTAs. But, Cam, this had been the longest stretch, I think, really, of his career, so... Uh, we were all antsy about that, and then he did rectify it by speaking yesterday. And I thought the most interesting thing he said, DG, was uh, being very vulnerable sort of about how he's not even sure what 100% feels like anymore because he's been hurt hmm. for so long. Yeah, that is an interesting point. What, what else have you gathered from the coaches or Cam uh, when he uses the phrase, that's kind of a byproduct of what you just said, the, the work in progress. What should fans expect with everybody agreeing that the number one question hovering over the Carolina Panthers is the health of Cam Newton? They should expect to see very little of him in this month, I think. I don't think we'll have any answers until that first game and even beyond. I mean, we remember last year how well he performed through the first half of the year and even, you know, after a bad second half of the year still had career highs and, you know, QB efficiency and a few other categories. So he's got an offense that really, I think, caters to what he can do. I mean, they're certainly not going to take away his running ability, but you won't see a bit of that in the preseason. Shoot, I'd be surprised if he plays more than, you know, I don't know, six or seven series, maybe the entire preseason. So we won't, they're just being so cautious right now, and Cam's doing the same thing because everyone knows that the, the season hinges more on that right arm than anything else. Will Greer is maybe going to be fine in a year or two uh, as a backup, but you, you don't want that or Kyle Allen or or anyone else really playing that spot for more than you know half a game or something. Scott Fowler's joining us. Find his work at charlotteobserver.com. Follow him on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler. The Panthers don't take the field for a preseason game until next Thursday at Chicago, but they do have Fan Fest tonight. For those who have not been there, or who knows, may even be considering going right now, how do you describe Fan Fest, and how is that different from, you know, somebody who wants to make that trek to Spartanburg during the week? Uh, not much different. Uh, it's really a glorified practice. It costs $5. On the other hand, that money goes to charity, and you're sitting in a more comfortable situation than you are in Spartanburg, probably able to see things a little better and, and such. And, you know, downtown, uptown Charlotte is a, a little bit more of a happening spot than my old hometown of Spartanburg. Other than that, no, you don't, you know, there's no tackling, there's no it's not really like a college spring game where you've really, you know, there's some real hitting yeah. going on in that. They're just trying to 
give the fans a little taste of things here. But, you know, it's okay. I'll be there, and uh, hopefully it's not going to rain. That's the concern right now. Hopefully it's going to stay clear. Prior to Cam's injury at midseason last year, obviously they appeared to be on their way to what would have been a fifth postseason trip in a six-year period, which is pretty darn impressive in a league that's often described as filled with parity. I saw the Vegas numbers today, and I don't know Scott Fowler's personal track record for guessing games or, or even seasons correctly or not, but the Panthers over under is 7.5 wins, and I'm a very logical, objective dude. Like, I'm a trained journalist and lawyer. My wife tells me I'm too logical and objective. I just see the Panthers as better than 7.5 wins unless – there's an ugly slew of key injuries. Where does your optimism level stand with this group? Yeah, I mean, I would bet the over on that, too, if I had to, but not with a great deal of confidence because, you know, you you don't know what's going to happen. And here's my other concern on the Panthers besides Cam's arm. Really, both lines. I mean, I think the trenches are where they are iffy. Um, You know, we, we forget that you know last year that six and two start masked some deficiencies they were already starting to break down some and allowing you know 100 yard rushers and finishing 27th in the nfl in sacks that is so non-rivera like and then the offensive line of course had its problems and they're trying to solve all that but will they? You know, it, it, will they have a new a new pass rusher on the opposite side of Mario Addison because Peppers finally looked old last year? You know, will Daryl Williams stay healthy at left tackle? Who's going to play that? Will the new center work out? I mean, there's a lot of ifs. Luke Kuechly was left on the sideline after he was, I guess, walked away from a heap of players earlier this week. Uh, We were told in the aftermath of that that he just had like a typical Veterans Day away from the regular practice. Is there any reason to be concerned about a guy who obviously has a history of concussions, uh, or is there reason to believe that it's just the same old Luke Kuechly? Well, I'm always concerned whenever I see anything about Kuechly, as I'm sure all Panther uh, people are, because – you just know the history, but what happened on that play and in general, you know, I think they are stressing cautiousness with him above all else. And he, I saw him yesterday. I mean, he was out at practice, you know, just with McCaffrey and a bunch of others who were off. I thought he looked, you know, he, he of course, during the concussion protocol, he was looked okay too. But they've been a little squirrely about saying what it was. Rivera said yesterday he was, quote, playing football. That was the injury, which didn't really lend any, uh, you know, who knows what that means. But they're not really saying he's injured at all. So I, 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 will, I will go ahead and give them the benefit of the doubt because they normally are pretty honest with what's happening with Keekly. So I think he's okay right now. Trey Boston is not a new face to either Panthers fans or even North Carolina Tar Heel football fans uh it seemed like he implied yesterday that if jerry richardson were still the owner of the carolina panthers trey boston would not be getting the invitation to return to the carolina panthers what did you make of all that david tepper obviously is the guy who stuck his neck out and signed eric reed and a lot of people you know made noise and said they were going to boycott and of course as usual they never did 
Uh, so Eric Reed is going to kneel again this year and doesn't seem like there's a tidal wave of problems there. But uh, what did you make of, of Trey Boston's comments along those lines? Because um, he was a supporter of Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick. And uh, I don't think anything came out publicly from Jerry Richardson, but uh, it was interesting to hear those words from Trey. It was. Uh, and Trey, you know, he does, he, he is an advocate for uh, social justice and, and a lot of forms, but has been way low, lower profile than for sure. Eric Reed. Yeah. So, I mean, I think whatever he wants to do, if he wants to kneel beside Eric Reed, which I asked him if he would do that yesterday, and he sort of, didn't say yes or no. I think he's going to think about it. Uh, I, but yeah, he used to, you know, he was no fan of Jerry Richardson when he was here either and thought that Richardson kind of kept his thumb on the players in terms of, well, if you protest, yeah, you can do it. But, you know, there's the door on the way out. I, you know, that was, I think, Trey, what Trey Boston believed. Uh, that seemed to be what he was intimating yesterday. But, uh, there was, you know, there were some football decisions going on too when Trey Boston uh, left the first time. He had, you know, we we got to remember Trey Boston will get burned for a seventy-yard yeah. touchdown, and he'll also make an interception. That's the kind of player he is. He lives on that line of making plays, and they are willing to take that high risk, high reward risk right now because they're not getting enough, you know, turnovers from their safeties, and that's been a problem. So think they're going to give that a shot with Trey and I mean I'm I'm delighted to have him back he's a delight to talk to but uh, I think he's right that you know Richardson and he were probably not fans of each other but Tepper really just wants him to play good football he can do whatever he wants off the field his name is Scott Fowler award-winning sports columnist for the Charlotte Observer find his work at charlotteobserver.com follow him on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler and have fun at FanFest tonight. Scott, thanks for dropping by the David Glenn Show. As always, we appreciate your time. Thanks for your time as well. Have a good show. You got it. Mark Brazel from the Wyndham Championship joins us in about 10 minutes. Your free-for-all Friday phone calls are welcome as well. Remember, David Tepper, the new Panthers owner, who I like in more ways than I can count, he's trying to bring the MLS to the great state of North Carolina. He already has a state-of-the-art building coming to Rock Hill, where the Panthers, of course, will continue to play their games at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, but their new headquarters is actually going to be on the other side of the state border. It's a couple of years away. It's a massive, multi-purpose facility. It's going to take a long time to actually build it. He also talked about a 10-year plan to have a domed facility that could bring the Final Four in college basketball and who knows what else. Out of all of those things, the closest to the front burner is trying to get the MLS to North Carolina. Now, there's a group in Raleigh that's trying to bring it there instead. There was an MLS expansion update earlier this week. Neither Charlotte nor Raleigh is ready to grab one of the very next expansion franchises. It looks like St. Louis and Sacramento will become MLS number 28 and MLS number 29. But both Charlotte and Raleigh remain candidates for MLS number 30. I would love to see that pro sports league on North Carolina soil as well. Back after this on the David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Well, who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show.